Flash Gondas Part 2. So, what do you want to know? Any questions about this morning, Sam? You were talking about the five styles of the six realms, mm -hmm. and you were talking about the realm of desire, curiosity, mm -hmm. and, you, and you also talked about how those five styles get together and create feelings. Mm -hmm. um, if in the curiosity realm, the hand is a weaker, if the weather changed and all the fires went south and howling or something, how, how um, is there a way to? All those go into the hell realm. So it's uh, it's five skandhas is, is this body mind complex. It's just a way of talking about it. they're hooked together. The body is hooked to um, linked to um, a feeling, and which is like linked to perception, linked to concept, linked to all the six sense fields. It looks like somebody, feels like somebody. Somebody's feeling this. Somebody's thinking this. Somebody's having this difficulty. Somebody's having this happiness. That kind of thing. And then that whole situation, just a way of using that metaphor to say that this this whole situation goes into great difficulty or hell or some kind of warfare with with other or the other in here or the other out there. Both seem to be other. And the breakdown uh, seems to be through the sitting practice of meditation through awareness, so looking at it, looking at it, not adding on, which can cause this thing to continue to rotate, not subtracting, which causes this thing to continue to rotate, or ignoring that just looking at it, just looking at it, we eventually begin to see that something is not exactly solid about this, that it's kind of makeshift. So not, as I said in the teachings all over, but it's not real, or it's an illusion, or it's delusion. And so the, that, the one who is awake, as far as way of talking about it, and it show up in different ways, uh, doesn't seem to, is able to just acknowledge the form and just have an awareness of the form, awareness of feeling without hooking up to anything else. Awareness of, um, of perception, sometimes called perception impulse. And they're just categories, they're just ways that at some point in time, before the Buddha, even as far as the Khandas, the ancient Indian uh, teachings was the source for that. <clears throat> it just seems that someone look at, looked at this with a great deal of insight into the way the human mind, the human presence, what we call a human being, uh, if you look at the parts of it, uh, you begin to see that it's an arrangement of parts. There's the body part, feeling, Perception through all the sense fields, uh, through the mind, and then there's the conceptual construct that comes in and kind of brings everything together and makes sense, helps things to make sense and seem more real. You know, this is a chair. This is a room. This is a building. These are human beings. These are and we, we kind of everything is bouncing off uh, everything else in order to get its apparent stability or singularity or reality, including the imputation that I am somebody who can win, I am somebody who can lose, I can live, I can die. Seems to be unreal. We're not saying it's not there, but to see that, that the body doesn't go anywhere. There's still perception. There's still uh, 
there's still feelings, there's still conceptual mind running along, thinking about this, what about this, what about that, analyzing, subtracting, adding on, and then there's the all of the sense sense objects, smells, taste, touch, sounds, and so on, all coming back through all of those, kind of going the other direction, the way talked about it, it's like a, it's like consciousness uh, comes back through the first four like a needle, just goes zip back through. It's just again, it's a, it's a metaphor. It's a way of probably not doing anything like that. Fundamentally, it's not separate. So we, we break it down so that we can understand it. Like we break down the five skandhas, I mean the the six uh, realms, so that we can get an idea of different states of mind. And there's a highly uh, prideful state of the heaven realm. There's the jealous state of the uh, jealous God realm. Being jealous, who's ahead, who's behind, how am I doing? There's the human realm, which is kind of uh, existentially at a loss and is curious about everything and is also suffering, is also at the mercy of the grasping and rejecting and passion and aggression and ignorance is swirling around there. Uh, And then the state of mind that that is uh, Characterized by animal, and it's not a put down particularly anything. It's just a way of saying it's a way of kind of closing down. So animals have a tendency to just look at just what's in front of them. Um, the, I think in the cutting through spiritual materialism, it's talked uh, talked about as a, a pig just snuffling along, doesn't see the clouds or the butterflies or the trees. It just sees the, the dirt in front of it. <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> so, so they're just metaphors or images that help us see, get some kind of idea how that whole thing is operating at the same time we feel that we're one singular person. What happens when things change, we think that we're experiencing a change rather than uh, there isn't any, there's just experience. So if we begin to see that, then uh, if we start to freak out or panic, we might not see a psychiatrist or a therapist or we might want to take drugs or we might, we might want to self-medicate. We want might want to self, what's that other one, sporticate? Golfing? Is that right? Sporticate? Yeah. I think I'm going to go golfing. I feel so good. I'd rather go out and you know, canoe or jog or mountain bike. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Those things are all wonderful things to do. It's just you're using something like that to avoid the karma that comes up as your life. So a good way to find out what your karma is is sit down, hold still, and watch, and you'll see immediately what you've been avoiding. Or maybe you'll see it in 20 minutes. Or maybe you'll see it in a year and a half, in two years, and maybe it'll take some time for the the awareness to the consciousness, the, the hope and fear that comes out of the consciousness, or the seventh consciousness, or the collective mind, or the paranoid mind, uh, as it's described in the yoga card First five, first four are the first five are sensitive. Six is just the, the mundane processing part of the mind that, that synchronizes the, the consciousness of smelling something with the consciousness of seeing something, so you so you don't feel like there's somebody else is smelling what you're seeing. <clears throat> this would be a, what do they call it? Schizophrenia. Cool. Yes, Laura. You mentioned um, uh, from the Trump, this uh, metaphor for 
Uh, it could be a little of each. Uh, it is also dependent. Everything that happens is dependently arrhythmic. And the dependence, the interdependency is so different. Uh, there's so many different things happening. It's like you, you never see two oak trees growing in exactly the same way. They're, they're the ground, the weather, the, how much uh, sunshine that the first year that they're growing. There's so many causes and conditions. Like we're born and then how we're treated uh, gets uh, combined with uh, uh, where we, uh, the, the karma, particular karma that we brought into the world that is combined with the karma of our parents, with the, the, the sh their particular um, genes and so on, that's included. Everything is so incredibly dependent, dependent you, can't, you can't find a first source or first cause for anything. It's just all over. And so but here's what you can find this conscious since it's not separate then everything that you need to know is right in front of you uh trunk has mentioned that a few times uh, and saying instead of going back into some kind of past time or some kind of other place that what you're looking for is right here now you might not be able to see that so you might have to look at it a lot so as far as the the metaphor of the of the needle it's just a way of talking about it this is how it comes together so that there's somebody i'm i'm the person who's Doing this, doing that. I'm the person who uh, is thinking this or thinking that. Um, when we begin to see that everything is dependently arisen, which is uh, is the, what the Buddha actually, the Buddha's basic awakening was seeing everything that looks like a bunch of uh, separate things with their own kind of individuality or autonomy. Or praise and blame, or success and failure. The Buddha saw, uh, as far as my, my understanding of the teaching, the Buddha saw that there wasn't any separate thing. That what he saw was uh, that that isn't just one thing. That, that's, a, that's another kind of uh, philosophical problem. But it was not separate. So, but when you see not separate, you don't actually see one thing. You see everything in its. You have complete respect for every individual thing for other people you respect their confusion and their clarity at the same time those two are not two different things you work you become you become very clear about your confusion this is the buddha did not awaken to clarity the buddha awoke to delusion everywhere deeply from looking at his mind for what as the story goes six years that was his awakening he saw deeply without missing uh, a corner. There was not one place where there was a, a smoke hanging out. He saw it all. And how did he see it all? By looking at what was in front of him. Um, you talk about uh, the discontinuous self. Um, and I'm wondering how that teaching relates with five standards. And I guess I'm, because when you talk about it, it seems like it keeps coming, and we are. It seems like um, there's something else happening, an oscillation. 
Well, five scandals are just a way of, here we are. And if you take this experience, uh, you can break it down into the, there's a feeling of a form. And also forms arising in the mind. It can get very complicated. We're trying to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, form, feeling, perception, sometimes called memory and consciousness. So it's just a way of having uh, that little uh, overlay to lay on the entire experience. And then you can go into each one and see how that functions to reach into the other ones and connect things together. And so when I say discontinuous self, I'm saying the way I like to talk about that is to say that we impute or we imagine or we think that we're one person having lots of different feelings. But when we start to get close to what is actually happening, it looks like there's a self for every feeling. There's a different kind of someone else comes up and is miserable. Someone else comes up and says, finally I'm happy. And there's almost like a, a happiness that's totally forgotten about three hours ago when that, when that same so-called self was totally freaked out and miserable. So we, but if you begin to look at it, for a while without, if you don't push on it, pull on it, or shut down on it, you'll begin to see that there's a, a little self-orientation uh, applied or uh, that is just off the side that is actually having that experience. So that's why I call, uh, when I say discontinuous, it's not like there's one thing that's locked down. Well, it could be it too, but there's there's a whole lot of little uh, you know, ragamuffins running around having experiences. And, and when this gets... Uh, uh, intensified in some ways out of fear or out of the causes and conditions that are difficult to see, which may include heredity, you know, it can be going to some form of uh, craziness like schizophrenia, psychosis. We don't generally use those words. And as practitioners, I mean, we're not going to ignore it, but we don't have to use that because then we have to buy into all the rest of the psychology of and what is that about getting better. It's not that the ego psychology is found in many places, the, that it's unreal. And sometimes it's replaced with Atman, like in Indian philosophy. Um, are the teachings of the five scandals integrated in the teachings of the 12 links? Yeah. And so how does that, the scandals relate with that more? Um, my, I'm just through, I'm trying to connect with the, the discontinuous well, which one of the 12 links is a five scandal? Well, don't they go through all five of them through the 12 links? Well, they do, but there's one particular one. You know which one it is? No. Number four, name and form. Namarupa. So, name and form. The, the form part is the form, and uh, Nama is, is the concept of different consciousness. There's only two scandals form and consciousness. And then it shows up in different ways. And so that's the fourth one. The first one being ignorance, and then uh, formations and consciousness and name and form. And then what's the next one? Fifth. Uh, touching. Touch, sparsha. And then the next one is uh, healing. And the next one is, uh, I like it, I don't like it. It, go, it just, it, it's, it's, it's laid out in such a way that we can, we can see how the mind progresses to grasp onto things and reject things and shut down on things. That creates the illusion of there being someone with it. So, in relation to the discontinuous self, you know, the person maybe first and the last one is death. So, are we going through this constant cycle of birth and death as we. Um, You're dying now. It's, it's just a way of breaking it down. We're not, we're not grasping at that and saying, this is how it is. We're just 
percent. We're just using that, and then if it runs out of its use, then we, we don't use it. But we don't. It's not fundamentalism. So these, these teachings are, are constantly uh, moving all the time. Can we see the creation of itself as we? Um, you're, you're watching it. You're watching it right now. Is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. You're watching it right now. You think it's something else. I don't see the gaps. Between birth and death. <clears throat> That's awareness. That, that's awareness. Don't abandon anything. Don't abandon it for something else. Or not seeing awareness. How is not seeing awareness? I said I'm not seeing the means of that awareness. Yes, I did. That you're not you're aware that you're not seeing it. Awareness. There isn't anything but awareness. It's the this uh, hope and the fear, the grasping and the rejecting that manifests some kind of someone who's grasping, or some kind of someone who's abandoning. Or creating a self out of what? Old cloth. Over. We do it over and over. All day long we're doing this. We're recreating this. But if I know I'm not seeing, how is that different than ignorance? Same thing. Keep coming. <laughs> if I know I'm ignorant, then, then what is ignorance? Like, what is that thing that I know? You know that you're you're distracted. There's there needs to be. It's a relative. <clears throat> this is why we had the provisional. This is why we don't start out with the ultimate teaching, uh, unless we do. Sikhantaza is an ultimate teaching. It's practiced uh, provisional. We teach somebody Sikhantaza. Uh, sit down, hold still, see reality. But you may have to sit there day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year to see it. And there's no way I can give you my uh, stubbornness or my energy or my persistence to help you do that other than saying, you want to know? This is how it's done. And is, is there some other way? Probably. But I don't know about that way. I just know I spent the better part of my life doing this. It's just it's persistently looking at whatever is arising. First thought, best thought. First thing that arises is it. And it's not going to look like it. Not gonna, it's not going to be, oh, that's a success story. It's probably going to be one disappointment after another until you realize what this is, which is, as Trump said, the final disappointment, which is a realization of self. Realization is not getting to something or getting somewhere or having this magical state of mind where, you know, where it's, you're in some kind of a wonderful space called the Cheetah Heaven. Although, this has been called the Tushita Heaven. Who called it that? Chazan, yeah. So when, when Nishikai came up here to visit, is that other girl? I'm saying. Chazan called it the Tuchita Heaven. <laughs> so, it's just Buddhist humor. <laughs> More? Um, yesterday, you talked about the Bardos. Um, the possibility of um, is there a bardo between the uh, dissolution, the death of the self, and the rebirth of the self while still in this life? Is there a possibility in that bardo for awakening? There's bardos everywhere. There's a, this is a bardo. There's a, there's a beginning, 
There's the end. Bardo's everywhere. Gaps between this and that, this and that, this and that. So the Bardo that you're, I think you're asking about would be the, the Bardo of Narmata. There's different names for it. When you, uh, after you die, there's a Bardo where you're, you're uh, presented with all kinds of things. And then you're presented with the, the traditional uh, way of saying, uh, has been said, the clear blue light of the void. And to ego, this is terrifying. So ego runs back into new lifetime. Whereas the, someone who is realized, to put it very literally, uh, goes into it or sees that they're not separate from it. There, there, there's no more fear. If you, if, you're, if, you're, if you have hope, you're going to have fear. If you're hopeless, you're fearless. If you hope for something else, and you're waiting on it, there's going to there's be fear that that's not going to happen. I don't mean to be uh, negative, but it just seems to be the truth. More? I guess, but I'm, I guess I'm referring to this life between the the uh, the discontinuous selves. Yes. It's self. it's there in front of you right now. It's there right now. How can I see it? Keep practicing. What whatever appears, don't add to it. Don't 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 uh, whatever appears. You could even say in perception. Don't add an object to it. And this is I'm looking at a chair, and don't add a perceiver to it. I'm the one who's looking at the chair. This is something we do just moment by moment. We're always saying I'm seeing that. We might not say it literally. <coughs> but it's you know it's so so, it's so that kind of uh, ignorance that is bound in that consciousness that is so spun through the three poisons just seems like somebody's there. Five skandhas are just another way of talking about that structure. And I don't have the intellect to uh, go into it in such a spin that out in such a way that it will draw you in intellectually. So therefore, the way I teach you directly, I point at it, which is irritating. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. A lot of people will hear this and say, I'd rather study that Adya Shanti. Or maybe... Let's see, I think I could study under Thich And I'm not making fun of those people. I mean, they're, they're teachers for other people. They need to be there. So if you understand what this is, and you find yourself in a position where you're teaching someone, then you just have to teach as directly as you can with, with your motivation needed to help people, not interfere with them. We're not going to meddle with anybody. I have permission to meddle with you. Am I doing a good job? <laughs> and so people are wired differently. Some people, with their practice, uh, I can't think of any, any people that I talk to as what you call students of mine who are, are anywhere like anybody else. Everyone is completely different. Every time I meet someone, they're just different than anyone. So the way I relate with them as best I can is to meet them where they're at. Not try to get them to do something. Not try to get them to stop doing something. Unless they ask. If somebody, you make the mistake of asking me, what should I do? I'm probably going to tell you. Make sure that you really mean that. 
I might even say that. You really want to talk about today? Well, not really. I just thought maybe you had a suggestion. I mean, like, just, I can tell you, just, maybe you could go into retreat for a year. <laughs> I don't think I've sent anybody into retreat for that long. I have recommended the people going to retreat. The last person was. Shogun, she's in retreat now. But that was mutual. We both thought that would be a good idea for her. She's in retreat. I was sent into retreat. Yes. Uh, Danny from the monastery came back with his question. Good. He asks, how can we respect someone else's confusion if we see them cause harm to other beings, especially those that are related to the Lord himself? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Well, of course, it's very situational, as all those things are. So, if they're, if it's, it's hard to give a, a blanket statement to that. But if you see someone harming somebody else, uh, you know, it depends on who they are. If they're really tiny, then grab them. If they're really big, sneak up on them. But you can you can actually stop somebody. I mean, you, you need to be present. You need to make sure that it's a situation you can actually work with. You can stop someone literally. But if you see someone doing that kind of abstractly, like on an organization doing that, doing that to an individual or other organizations or to groups of people through some kind of bigotry or prejudice, I, I really don't know. I mean, you could go and join something, but the problem with joining moveon.org or anything, not that you shouldn't join them, but the problem with doing that is you get, you get pulled into that labyrinth of confusion where people are doing their best to help others, but they have not trained their minds. So they have not trained their mind, the very ignoring of their own aggression. And we say this many times, and I know, Danny, you have too, that if you haven't, then if you don't know, know about that, then when you get around people who are aggressive, your own unexamined aggression starts to resonate with that. And the next thing you know, their aggressive vomit and your aggressive vomit gets mixed. And the next thing you know, then, then it's really confusing, especially if there's a, a lot of threat, there's a lot of open fear, there's a lot of fear going around that can be really challenging. So uh, I send everybody back really quick and go sit down, hold still, find out who you are. Look at your own aggression. <clears throat> look at your own look at your own mind, and then gradually you could find yourself moving out into the world. But I do it very slowly. That's why they have monasteries. That's why any way you're living in one. Just like I've said, the simple you're walking down the street and you see someone in even if they're in their own yard have a stick and they're beating a dog, you don't think, mm, I don't want to meddle. No, you go and take the stick away. I mean, perhaps, you know, or something like that, you do something about it. Interrupt them. Wait a minute, what are you doing? What, what happened? What's going on here? You, you can do it lots of different ways. Um, if there's a specific uh, situation, Danny, that you're asking about, you know, I could probably, maybe, maybe Address that. Less is better. Uh, it's, it's better when I say less, I'm saying less action and more awareness. Less doing anything. There's already enough doing going on in the mind, pushing this, pulling that, guessing at this, guessing at that, reinterpreting this, elaborating on this. The mind is constantly elaborating, elaborating. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I better, I shouldn't. Now there that goes again. Here I go again. Now I'm doing this, now I'm doing that. I was feeling better, now I feel like shit. It's just. And so. Take it to the cushion, sit down, hold still, 
find out who you are. Find out who you are before this body mind complex goes back into element. There's going there. And that's not just pessimism. That's not just nihilism. That's the truth. As Trump Perpetua said, I like to repeat this because it's so funny. He says, uh, some of us are going to die soon, and the rest of us are going to die later. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it's so true. It's, uh, some will die pretty quick, soon, and then the rest of us will die a little later. Can so, huh? Can uh, I don't know. With that in mind, that's just being, <clears throat> that's just talking about the, the three marks of existence, uh, impermanence, uh, suffering, everything is distressed in some way or another, and if it's, uh, or it's covering it up so it doesn't know that it's distressed. And then there's no solid self that that's occurring to, it's uh, emotion, feeling, suffering is happening, it's just not happening to a person, to an individual. And then of course there's impermanence, anything that shows up, all compounded things as the Buddha said, will vanish. All compounded things are coming apart. But who you are, at your actual, your Buddha nature, is not compounded. It does not come from somewhere. It's not going somewhere. Body, minds come and go, come and go, come and go. Who you are, find out who you are. So that the, that aspect of your consciousness, sometimes called a spirit or a soul or Buddha nature or, you know, call it a, a karma core. Whatever it is, it is, regardless of what you call it. Uh, that, if it gets laminated to the, to the lifetimes, then you then you call it a reincarnation. But if you see what this is, you, you won't laminate unless you do it out of a vow, which the Bodhisattva vows to stay in samsara until all beings are liberated. Don't do anything unless you have to, especially that one. Then again, if nothing is separate, who's to stay in samsara? The other way of saying it is, all beings are already liberated. This is an illusion. Yes. So, if when the Buddha awoke to awoke to delusion, could one also say if things are not separate, could one also say that he awoke to liberation? Yes. Not separate. That's that's it. Fundamentally the same. Is, is the other way of saying it is Buddhas or enlightened beings and sentient beings or people who are confused and walling around in their past definitions are not separate. If you think they're separate, you'll you'll continue to uh, suffer, thinking that Buddhas are something way ahead of what you are. You're already the Buddha. <clears throat> it might take a while for you to see that. You won't see it if you continue to go to uh, Walmart. You can go to Walmart if you want. Don't stay there very long. Huh? You go in your scamp and park in the lot. Just make sure you get permission. If you don't, they'll tow you. I would have towed you. Nobody said, good thing you told me I would have towed you. Did you think we're towed when he said that? No. Hmm. He started punching him. <laughs> that would be appropriate. On some occasions, you'd be helping him. 
right? Right, right, right. Well, that brings up another question. What? You, what today's question. Yes. And you brought up the example of somebody who's beating their dog in the yard. You, you would go, you know, an example of what are you doing? Or however that situation would be met. You also say you don't know. So what's the difference between responding to hope and knowing? I think it's. I think it has to be done situationally. I mean, you might be walking down the street, and it might be fifteen situations where somebody's uh, doing this or that or the other thing where you would not like it, but you would look at it, and something about that situation would just say, you know, "This is not time for you to be a hero." And another time is uh, if you're if you're operating out of your awareness and not out of judging. If you're judging people, if you're judging that person. You think that person is an evil person. You probably should stay away. Because you're going to bring your own unexamined aggression in there, and you could end up killing the person, or they could kill you. So you should. This is why there's such a thing called skillful means or aya. You can't have uh, skillful means unless there's wisdom, and there can't be wisdom as long as there's grasping at itself. If there's grasping at someone who can be right, who can be wrong, who can be a good bodhisattva, it just won't work. So probably shouldn't meddle. It'd be, it'd be hard. To walk and see someone abusing someone else and not come in and try to stop it. Might not be able to help it. So that's a hypothetical thing. <clears throat> it's unlikely to happen. But we see this uh, happening in different forms all over the place. People hurting other people and abusing people and so on. But the causes and conditions that arise there are also dependently risen. There's, there are no evil people. There's no, that's a misunder, just a misunderstanding. Sure, how, sure the hell it looks like it, doesn't it? It's like some people are just so wound up in themselves that they're, they don't care. They're going to, you know, they're going to hurt, hurt others. What was the story? Uh, didn't we hear that on uh, uh, the book that we're, on audio that we're, about the fellow who was uh, killed? Um, how did that story go? Uh, Preet Bharara? So it was an interesting story. He, the, the, the fellow that he tried to kill, he didn't succeed in killing him. He was a, a Muslim and he didn't succeed and he lived and that person who was caught went to prison and then he uh, he came and tried to prevent his uh, execution. Uh, even though he was the one that tried to kill him. Um, it's pretty powerful, pretty moving situation and actually changed the person who was the murderer. They, they saw more deeply into the situation instead of continually buying into their prejudice and into their xenophobia and so on. Just having somebody that he had just tried to kill helping him. Very unusual. What was that book called? Oh, I'm thinking about justice. Further questions? Last week there was an advocacy group about inmates, and they were talking to people in jail and in prison about the crime that they were being convicted for. And the question was, how long were you thinking about the act that I 
and most of the answers were within one to ten seconds. Like it wasn't premeditated for a long time, it was more impulsive, it was not a thought for a time. So it might be a really dire situation or it can be a situation not everybody knows. But if you feel like that clock ticking one to ten when you're in the car and you see that as the only thing you do that interrupt that extremely mental. I think it's really hard to do that. I'm not saying it can't be done. I don't know. I don't know everything and everybody, obviously, but I think it's very hard to do unless you've really looked at the, at the jumpiness of the mind. You're jumping into this, jumping into that. Watch how he keeps coming to, as I use the example I use, is the uh, conclusions. You don't need to conclude anything. If you're, if you're always training yourself to conclude by just by your habitual pattern, just uh, you see something, you immediately judge that. You see something else, you judge that. You see it have a promotion come up, and you immediately conclude something about it. Conclude something. By continually concluding, we actually are exercising that aspect, that grasping part of the mind. And it's the grasping that actually, actually gets us into that merry-go-round. So working with that first, that's why it's so important to sit down on the cushion and watch the grasping without buying it. Watch the grasping without fighting with it, and watch the grasping without ignoring it. It's not comfortable to do that. If you're doing sitting meditation, you're comfortable, you're probably doing it incorrectly. I'm not saying you can't sit and have periods of time where it's very, fairly smooth and easy, <clears throat> probably, but if you sit there long enough, eventually, uh, because nothing lasts, eventually that smooth and easy situation will start to dive down into areas of your psyche, your consciousness, your aliyavijnana, your storehouse consciousness, where Probably need to do some house cleaning. How do you do that? Awareness. No brooms involved. No vacuum cleaners. There's no trash carts. There's just awareness itself because of dependent origination, because there, nothing is separate from anything else. The awareness itself will do it. It may not feel, you may not get a credential out of it like, oh, I feel so much better now that I'm enlightened. You may, that may not uh, be part of it. It's like the Tibetan word for the meditation cushion is gom, uh, Get used to it, cushion. You know, I don't know. I don't know if there's a better or worse. I would just say just do whatever you can. There's so many causes and conditions arising around that that I couldn't give one blanket thing. The blanket thing I get is to train your mind. It would be meditate. And for one person to meditate for uh, oh, you know, weeks, months, years on end, no guarantee. There's no guarantee the, the depth or the, the, um, the laminations, the karma that you're dealing with is different for each person. Some people are might have some clarity fairly soon. And other people might might not even get it in this lifetime. You got to start somewhere. And this isn't to say there are more lifetimes. I have no idea, but it sure looks like there's something like that going on. So what I last several years uh, <coughs> I've uh, recommended that people do block sitting, which you do some block sitting here. You do block sitting at the monastery, and people do it on their own in different places. Uh, and I started out really talking to inmates in prisons. If they could just find some time, like there's no way for them to do a retreat, they 
it's just some way that they could sit down and do nothing for four hours but look at the wall. And so some of them would do it, some wouldn't. But then, then I started to teach that or recommend that to people to do that more because it just looked like a good, um, it seems like the radar of ego is still pretty, pretty much looking for credentials uh, up to about one and a half, three hours. Uh, fourth hour is pretty dreary. There's not much success happening. In the ego mind, that part of the mind has kind of um, relaxed its attention. And just just the raw attention seems to be happening. That's when you can basically, that's when you actually, uh, you know, it's like you got a shovel. Use an obvious metaphor. In the first three hours, you walk around in circles with a shovel. And then the last hour, you start digging. But that first three hours is just, I have a shovel. <laughs> it's for digging. I intend to dig. I'm, dig. I'm, I'm big on digging. Those rhyme. Big dig, big dig, big dig. That's my mantra. Big dig, big dig, big dig. <laughs> you know, this is what the mind does. The mind finds something that can hang on to and starts to make it into a rhyme. You know, rhyming, rhyming uh, confusion is. Uh, we do various things like that. I'm not being particularly inventive. The ego mind is extremely inventive at staying hidden. You need to do it on a mala, a child's mala. Big dig, big dig. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so it's like we're wandering in circles, but then that last hour, or somewhere in that area, just like eventually we just get worn out and we kind of look at the shovel look at our, I'm going to, you know, again, it's just a strong kind of a homely metaphor, but we just, we just start to dig, we start to go down into what is this thing we call our mind or our consciousness. And the time leading up to that can be extremely painful. Oh, yes, anything, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, anything, anytime you sit down and do nothing and look at it for a while. Sometimes a 10-minute meditation can seem more uh, something that happens during that that's uh, as strong as something that, uh, that happened in four hours. So I'm just saying it seems to be all over the place. Karen? Um, so I'm wondering if you're doing meditation and you're already Yes, we are. Yeah. Then what's the point of this There's no point. It's just the nature of intelligence that it goes awry. If you go back to uh, Maurika or Vidya, the first uh, of the 12 links in the chain of existence, go back to that first. The way the image I like to use is uh, uh, it was with the help of Trump beginning of the thing, if you need to uh, look at it that way, just one vast openness. Like a, looking across the desert, there's, not, there's nothing happening at all. And then some hot and cold comes, hot comes in, the contrast, some kind of contrast comes in. And it isn't a person, it isn't a, a cockroach, it isn't anything, it just comes in and then and you start to get spinning, you start to get little uh, dust bubbles, little cyclones start up and then the cyclone starts to draw leaves and branches up into it and it looks like someone. So that kind of uh, marigpa 
causes samskaras, which is the second form of the shutting down, uh, things start to form, and then the next one is uh, consciousness. And we're not sure how consciousness works, but it's something about that. It's like the consciousness that is digesting your food, the consciousness that is causing uh, a tree to leave, that's, that's consciousness. The conscious, there's, there's consciousness in, in a chunk of granite. It can't be granite unless it's consciousness. If it, if it, if it weren't consciousness, it would just be a ball of cork. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I'm just using it as a kind it would be something else, but then it could be something else instead. It would have to be consciousness. It couldn't, couldn't be anything else. So our job, you could say, is to come into this uh, incredible university called uh, human existence and learn. And we've been coming and coming and coming. We will continue as a condemning anybody and anything. But it looks over here from looking at this for a long time and being quite uh, crazy. Uh, it looks like this will continue to happen unless you, unless you look at what it is. You can see that fundamentally everything that is occurring is unicity. That you are not separate from the Buddha. This is a, and we've studied Zogchen. This is Zogchen. Zogchen teaching is uh, the great perfection. It's already perfect. Don't argue. And if you do argue, even the argument is perfect. Even the worst pain that you can have is perfect. This is not some kind of airy-fairy taking something that's very negative and polishing it up so it looks good. It's it's not separate. It's non-dual. It's uh, but but for each person who is who is functioning as a human being or any kind of being for each. Consciousness, we have to see that. Otherwise, we continue to roil around in our sense fields and pushing on some things and pulling on others and shutting down on others in order to promote some kind of self. You're right, there is there is someone, but you're not, but it's not somebody that uh, you're separate from. It's the Buddha, it's the, it's the, it's the, the Tathagata, the enlightened one. Not separate, it's not theism, which is not about worshiping anything. Although it's taught that way sometimes. <clears throat> yes, no, go ahead. I saw your mouth open. <laughs> well, I know it's like nice to ask a lot of questions. I like uh, when, that's a good W question. Uh, where, that's a good one. My favorite is what? Um, what? My favorite is what? <laughs> You're a terrible straight man. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. Illusion. Yeah. Not real. So this isn't real. This is not real. Why, why is a circular question? Why always has a because? What doesn't have a because? What is what? <laughs> huh? We didn't go wrong. Nothing is wrong. It's a school. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing to correct. There's nothing to fix. When we, when we, when the consciousness downloaded into a separate organism 
and made the assumption that this organism is who I am. This is, this is, look at your hands. This is not you. There's no, other than the, you can feel this. I'll, I'll give you an example. Here's your hand, okay? And I can I feel this, but uh, the wall can't feel. So that's how we're separate, if I feel. But your fingernails are like a wall because they don't have any nerve endings in them. So if that wall were made of fingernails, I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> not, it's not separate. It's not separate, and it's it's already liberation. The 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 divisions between the worlds, all the layers, all the bardos and everything are they're all there because they're just fanned out everywhere, and there's there's living beings everywhere, not just us, but aliens, whatever you want to call uh, consciousness on other worlds, not separate. Since all of this illusory everything, so what is real? What, what do you mean by real? Not false? Is there a duality to illusory? That's, it's part of it. The duality is the illusion and the Non-dual is the dual. So you have relative truth, plus and minus, up and down, back and forth, success and failure, all the duality you can think of. <clears throat> you can't have night without day. If you just had just night, you'd never know what day was. If you just had uh, just have one thing, you'd never know. Uh, you can't have one thing. It always has to be something else. But those are not are not true. That's a simple thing. Simple thing. If you're right hand and you're left. That's why we do this. Not two. Kind of a homely example, but it, but it's like that. It's like it's just, we're taking the, the apparent separation of everything and we're bringing it together. We're uh, respecting everything more. <clears throat> this is not something you're going to be able to understand. In the fourth, the fourth conduct. Although people try to do it, people write big long books about it, explaining the, the nature of this and the nature of that. So you can do some of that, but the, the fundamental understanding transcends all of that. Transcends all the kind of transcends everything. And it's uh, in our, in our uh, uh, school, uh, Yogacara, uh, Zen, uh, Chan, even uh, Dzogchen, uh, Mahabudra teachings is a uh, uh, consciousness. Perception, like what you see, is it's just a perception. It's not the perceiver, and it's not what being is being perceived. It's just a perception, it's like a dream. Go ahead. It's probably the only thing that's real. <laughs> the whole idea of asking about real and unreal. Uh, it creates its own dilemma. It, it puts us into a situation where we just about have to call on some philosophers and then solve it for us. So I'm luckily I'm not a philosopher. I, I don't have a degree. I'm not smart. I don't say this is some kind of false humility. I'm just not smart. It's a good thing. So I'd be thinking about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I panic. Yeah. yeah so 
what do you do in your day-to-day life and surrounding you and everything around that is illusion? That's it. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Don't look away. It's it's both real and it's unreal. Just like a dream is both real because you had a dream. It's unreal. Like your elevator image you were telling me. It's real because you're there and you don't like that. That was a crazy dream. Who do you think you are having dreams like that? <laughs> but you know, you know how when they were having that dream, how really intense and it's like the body wasn't there. What was it? You could say, well, was it you know, just some biological thing? We don't know. It doesn't matter for someone to try to prove about the mind isn't in the body. The mind, people that go in and try to make something out of everything. It's just a Better off to just see directly what it is. If you see directly, then it won't matter if you're suffering or not. I mean, that's when I say that. I'm not saying it won't matter. Of course, you'll be suffering, but you'll understand what it is deeply. And you'll see that uh, as uh, one of the Bodhisattva practices of Bodhisattva is, uh, is when you have difficulty coming, instead of fighting with it or pushing on it, you just say, I, I, uh, I give me the suffering and give me all the suffering in the world. Anyone who's feeling this way, I'll take it. So it's a way of working with relative truth uh, in, a, in a way that you're, you're no longer fighting with anything. No more warfare happening. And this doesn't mean that if you're <coughs> if you're having uh, if you're, if you're, you, know, you can only do that if you have some clarity about what this is. You can't inviting anyone to go into negativity. Uh, uh, like Julie and I were talking about earlier about uh, Tong Lung practice. And I was, you know, if people want to do Tong Lung, they should do it. But I don't particularly teach it because it's drawing negativity into you. So, and I, I practiced it for many, many years and taught it to others because I was told to teach it to others by Trump. But I don't do that anymore because I'm, I don't want to. People should just sit down and watch what moves and not try to invent some kind of a pretend bodhisattva. Um, with working with children, I, I try to have both myself and the child in my awareness. And then I, I hear what they're saying. I, I get really confused as I That sounds good. So can you hold on to self another? No. But what you just said sounded really good. You should have just put a period right there. I got a whole bunch of other shoulds on here. I'm just saying that the very uh, very confusion that you were operating in there is actually that's the treasure part of it. Not separate. That's that's how you that's how you discover liberation. That's how you discover uh, Trump or what Jay called ordinary magic is you realize that the, the jewel that you're looking for is in the confusion. It's in the rubbish heap. Instead of looking at where do they store the jewels at? They're in the rubbish heap. Not, not to. So the very area that you're working with with the child using your awareness to, to, uh, <coughs> I can't remember exactly how you characterized it, but I'm just saying that's it. Don't go any further than that. That's a just, just uh, you don't have to stay there, but 
just notice the texture of that, the quality of that confusion as it arises out of you endeavoring to be with that child. That's what's important. If I were to be interpretive about it, I could say that you're, and I'm not saying this is what's happening, but it's a way of looking at it, the very confusion the child is happening, is happening with, with the child because of your wish to help that child, that, that consciousness, consciousness doesn't belong to anybody. So it's migrated into your consciousness. So you're with the confusion. You can't help someone unless you're with their confusion. If you sit back and have a prescription, then it's more like you're a surgeon. Nothing wrong with surgeons. I wouldn't be here if I weren't for surgeons. So, but that's a different way. When you're talking about the mind, or, you know, it's a, that's a, a different area. We need to be very, very respectful of the consciousness and the way it shows up as sanity or insanity or passion, aggression, and so on. So you... Yes, it's great you can have these little teachers around you. <laughs> it is, and I guess um, the difficulty is, is I don't want to put the uh, I get confused and I want to have the thing to help them. I want to answer my <clears throat> Stay with the confusion. Don't abandon the confusion for some kind of resolution. But don't conclude. It, just include the confusion. And, and anybody's having negativity with anything, whatever you're having negativity with, please. Include it. Give it 20 minutes a day where you just include everything you've been fighting with and everything you've been disagreeing with. Include, include, include. I'm going to be, uh, it's like it says in the Tibetan tradition, one of the things that uh, practitioners, uh, one of the slogans is, it's better for me to be sick, let me be sick. Better for me to live, let me live. Better for me to die, let me die. you got to mean it. We don't necessarily want to die, but we're, there's a willingness to be with whatever's happening. We're all, we're, all, we're all done separating ourselves from the, world, from the world and trying to get to some kind of better state than everybody else, including ourselves. Even our own life is no longer a contract. <clears throat> it's not separate. You're just as uh, you're the Buddha when you were four years old. When, you're, when you realize that, you realize you've always been, it's always been the case. It's like I sometimes say you're grandmothered in. You realize it's always been true. Okay. Thank you.